Matthew chapter 5 tonight, ye are the light of the world. Tonight's passage comes from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is often called the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever walked the face of the earth. Church, aren't you grateful that when we were dead and doomed in our sins, that God sent his son to be the savior of the world? Aren't you glad that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost? Aren't you glad, too, that Jesus didn't come just seek and save you, but he adopted you, he indwells you, he equips you and empowers you to make a difference. And Jesus, in tonight's passage, he helps give us some insight into some understanding into how all of this works by giving us a couple of illustrations, analogies, or metaphors that describe how we, as his people, are used to make a difference for him. So let's consider these tonight. Let's look beginning in verse number 13. Jesus said this, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and give it light unto all that are in the house. Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Before we get into some of the specifics tonight, church, let's pause as we look at the entirety of the passage. And first of all, we need to remember the design that God has laid out here. The point of Jesus is very clear. God has designed it so that his people, that's us, that's me, that's you. God has designed it so that his people are difference makers in this world. God has designed it that Christians are his avenue for spiritual change. That's God's design. And I'm going to tell you, church, this is a reality that you and I need to take personally. It's not just the church in general. God wants to use this church specifically. It's not just Christians in general that God has designed to use. It is this Christian. And it's not just us, it's me that God wants to use. The problem is, is if we don't make this personal, then very often it fails to be practical. Have you ever heard the little story about somebody, anybody, uh, nobody, everybody, all those bodies. You ever heard the little story about them? It goes a little something like this. A story about four people. Everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Now there was an important job to be done and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Now the reality is anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. So somebody got angry about that. Because anybody could have done it, and it was really everybody's job. But everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. And so it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. God has designed it so that his people are difference makers in this world. 
And church making a difference is not just a church thing or a preacher thing or a teacher thing or a deacon thing. It is a Christian thing. And if you know the Lord as your Savior, you need to say tonight, it is my thing. My thing. You look at the world around you and this world is pretty messed up. But the only way it gets better is if you and I get serious. I'm not looking to the government to make things better. I'm not looking to the economy to make things better, to education to make things better. If we're going to make things better, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take what we talked about this morning. It's going to take Jesus. Because Jesus is still the answer. And if this world needs Jesus, boy, who's going to be the ones that take him to them? It's got to be us. We are his body. We are his ambassadors. We are his witnesses. And remembering God's design is for all of us to be difference makers. Being a difference maker is not a young person thing, a rich person thing, a smart person thing, an attractive or or, or charismatic personality thing. It is a saved person thing. God has designed for each of us to make a difference. So let's look at a couple of the analogies that he gives us to help illustrate that. Look at verse 13. Would you read that in unison together with me? Jesus said, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. So the first thing we see that Jesus likens us to is he likens us to salt. Now salt in Bible times, it was used to season. But one of the main uses of salt was salt was used to stop or to slow food from spoiling. As there was no refrigeration really in that day, salt was used to resist decay. As you and I are the salt of the earth, you know what that means? Jesus would have us to do. He has us here to resist the decay in the world around us. You see, the power of salt lies in what it is. Jesus likens us to salt. And he is saying that who we are, specifically our Christian character, is designed in such a way as to make an impact in this world for his glory. You know, I spoke this past Friday in the Christian school chapel about being an example. And I I used this quote. I found this quote from another preacher. I liked it. It's this, you have to be different to make a difference. You cannot change anything by adding more of the same. And you know, this old wicked world is going to do what this old wicked world is going to do. But our presence as believers ought to make a difference in the world around us. And as salt, we are here to resist the sinful decay of this world. So let me give you some thoughts about resisting the decay. Think about it this way. First of all, for salt to have impact, it must have contact. Salt does no good in the bottle. You ever know you have salt but can't find it? 
Isn't that a shame when you want salt and it's on the other side of the table? Salt does no good if it's still in the bottle. For salt to have impact, it must have contact. Did you notice in verse number 13, you and I are not called to be the salt of the church. What are we called to be? The salt of the earth. Hmm. Let me make it very simple. Our presence as Christians in society should change things. Our presence as Christians in society should change things. Now, when I talked to the young people on Friday about being an example, I did something very mean to them. And I didn't do it to you tonight uh, because I don't fear them, but I, I, wouldn't, I fear my wife, and I would never want to do it to her. So uh, what I did was I cranked or I had the air conditioner cranked down to like 60 degrees on Friday morning. So some of you are like, yeah, you fear me too if you did something like that for us. But uh, like six, and all those kids come in there, oh, oh, it's so cold. Why is it so cold? It's so cold. Can we turn it up? And, and all of us, we knew. So we, we would say, it's not cold in here. Oh, no, it's perfectly fine in here. And the whole time, it's so cold. It's so cold. So finally, when I was up there preaching, I said, is anybody cold? They were like, yes, yes, we're so cold. And I said, all right, if everybody's cold, Mr. Mid-All, do you think you can kind of help us out, make it a little more comfortable? So he went up there, and he, he bumped it up so it was more comfortable. And very quickly, they were more comfortable. But as they got more comfortable, and I asked, are you guys more comfortable now? They said, yes. And I said, do you know why? And I told them what I had done. I said, I knew it was cold. It was cold on purpose because I wanted to illustrate something for you. How important it is that we as Christians ought to be more like a thermostat than a thermometer. What does a thermometer do? It just measures its surroundings. What does a thermostat do? It helps to set the surroundings. You know what, church? When you go to work, you ought to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Oh, but, but there's so many ungodly people there. They probably are. But you're not a thermometer just measuring the temperature, finding a way to blend in. You're a thermostat. Your presence ought to make an impact. You know what? When we're, when we're out and about in town, when we're, when we're outside there in the neighborhood with the neighbors and friends and family, our presence ought to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. We're not sticking our fingers in the air to see which way the wind's blowing. No, as Christians, our character, who we are in Christ, our presence ought to make a difference. Where you work ought to be impacted by who you are as a Christian. Where you live ought to be impacted by who you are as a Christian. By the way, even when it comes to culture, our culture ought to be impacted by who we are as Christians. I'm so sick and tired of all of this. Well, you know, you can't really bring your, your religion into politics and you can't really bring your religion into the ballot box. and You can't really... Uh, that's garbage, church. As a Christian, I bring the light of Christ with me everywhere I go. That includes the ballot box. 
And when I vote and when the Lord gives me opportunity to be involved in political aims in my culture, I do so not as a Republican or Democrat or Independent. I do so as a Christian because that is who I am. And so, yeah, you ought to vote Christian. We've got some amendment to the Constitution coming up in the fall. They call it the so-called right to reproductive freedom. That's what it says on the ballot. If you read it, it's really the right to murder babies. As a Christian, you ought to vote against that. As a Christian, you ought to encourage your friends and family to vote against that. Why? Because it's murder. We don't change who we are. We don't change what we believe. We don't change where we stand when we walk out of this church. We carry that with us where we work, where we live, where we shop, where we vote, and we don't apologize for it. Who we are ought to impact this world. Ye are the salt of the earth. But, oh, Jesus points out here in this verse... There is a potential problem, the problem of pollution and pointlessness. If the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. When Jesus here speaks of salt losing its savor, what he is saying is is not the salt becoming something else. He's talking about the potential for the salt to become diluted. For it to become watered down, for it to become mixed with sand, and really at that point, it is largely worthless. It is no longer good for its original purpose, only to be cast out and to trod, be trodden under the foot of men. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to be the salt of the earth, you're going to have to be careful that you don't allow your life and witness, your character be, to be diluted by the world around you. You're going to have to be careful. Because if we let that happen, you know what happens? Jesus says, henceforth, it is good for nothing. I'm going to tell you, we're here to make a difference. So we see Roman numeral one, remember the design. What, What is God's design? God has designed it for who to make a difference in this world? Come on, church, help me out. God has designed it for who to make a difference? Christians. So let's make it more personal. Remember that? Everybody, somebody, anybody, nobody thing. Uh, God has designed it for who to make a difference in this world? Me. All right? Let's do that way. God has designed it for who to make a difference in this world? Me. Me. God has designed it for me to make a difference. That's God's design. How did he design it? What are some of the things we're supposed to do? We likened us to salt. So Roman numeral two, we're here to resist to the decay. That our character, our presence, ought to have an impact on the world around us. But Jesus gives us another example. Look at verses 15 and 16. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Read verse 16 in unison with me, if you would. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
So we have to remember God's design. We're here to resist the decay. Uh, But thirdly tonight, uh, what are we here to do? We are the light of the world. We're not just salt, but light. And so as light, we are here to repel the darkness. Repel the darkness. So salt, it, it deals with our character, who we are as a Christian. Light then uh, deals with our conduct, what it is that we do, how we interact with the world around us. What does light do? Think about it. Light repels darkness. Aren't you glad darkness can't resist light? When I turn on the light, I don't have to wonder, boy, I sure hope that this light is stronger than the darkness. No, the moment light comes, what does darkness do? It's gone. It's dispelled. It's no more. Darkness cannot resist light. Light repels darkness. Light repels darkness to reveal direction. Light repels darkness to reveal potential dangers. You ever walk through a room in the dark? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bumps and bruises all around. Light repeals, repeals the dark, repels, sorry. Light repels the darkness and reveals reality. How many of us, when you were much, much younger, of course, how many of you, when you were much, much younger, your mind would play tricks on you in the dark? And you would maybe hear things, wonder if you saw things that may or may not have been there. You see, you have those issues in the dark that you don't have in the light. And Jesus points out here that light is meant to be seen. Did you notice? I think we forgot to read verse 14. He said, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Light is meant to be seen. But Jesus also points out that although light is meant to be seen, it can be hidden and it can be obscured. Our light can be obscured by a number of different things. Jesus here points out a bushel. Perhaps he meant by that that light could be obscured by our labor. You know, we have a light. Let me see, where's my light? Here's my light, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. There we go, there we go. All right, I know. We have our light as Christians. Well, church was good, but it's time to go to work. Sometimes if we're not careful, what happens? Our light becomes obscured by our, by our labor. Jesus gives some other things that light can be obscured by. Luke chapter 8, uh, he says this, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, but, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. So not only do we have a bushel, that may obscure the light. But Jesus here also mentions maybe even a bed. If not our labor, boy, this is one that we uh, maybe struggle with here in America, our leisure. Uh, those things that uh, we enjoy doing. You know, I, boy, church was good today. I got my light shining bright. Isn't that good, church? Woo! But boy, it's NFL season. Time to watch some football. What's wrong with you, ref? Stinking ref. Oh, scumbag. Oh. Or, 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 or. 
You know, it's um, got my light, but man, we got a soccer game or a softball game or something. You know, I know like church is important and all that, but I'm going to go play some sports. And sometimes it's, it's not our, maybe it's our labor, but sometimes if we're not careful, it's our, it's our leisure. It's those things that maybe we do for fun or for rest or for relaxation. I'm going to tell you, no matter what you're doing, it is never a time to hide the light. Light is meant to be seen. But if we're not careful, Jesus points out that light can be obscured by our labor, by our leisure. You think about the upcoming solar eclipse. You guys, you guys know, I think it's in April, that we are basically right on the line. It's going to be pretty cool. We're basically right on the line for the center of total eclipse. It's going to be nuts, the number of people who come to our area. They're basically, uh, the Chamber of Commerce is basically expecting the population in the county to double uh, for that date. Like, it's going to be nuts. But it's going to be really cool to see a total solar eclipse. But what is it that can block out or obscure the light of the sun? Well, more than, I'm talking about the total solar eclipse. The moon. When we have other things that come between us and the light, it obscures and hides the light. And church, that's a danger that we face as well. I love it. We're not asked to, to make the light. Why, why is the light? Why are we the light? We're the light because Jesus is the light. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That's Jesus. We're not asked to produce the light. We're not asked to maintain the light. We're just asked to let it shine through us. And what is the light designed to do? It's designed to reveal reality, to warn of danger, to give direction. Our light is designed to point lost men to God. Did you note verse 16? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. All right, Charles, it's time. I'm going to do something now. I'm going to warn you. We're going to cut some lights out. Darl, that doesn't mean it's okay to go to sleep. Um, I know, I know. We're going to cut some lights out. And I need some help. Not yet, Chuck. Not yet. All right? You're, you're ahead of me, man. Now, we'll let him go ahead. Cut it down a little bit. Wow. All right. There we go. There we go. So here's the reality. You all dwell in darkness. I need some saved people to help me out. Let me see. Uh, go ahead, Drew. Get your dad's phone and come on up. Uh, Drew Wiesner. Get your dad's phone. Turn the flashlight on and come on up. George and Gene, you can both come on up. You got phones on you? We're going to need phones. You got your phone? Go ahead and get them out. We'll, ha- we'll, we'll have some fun tonight. George and Gene, come on out. Welcome to the light. Come on to the light. Come on to the light. 
uh, uh, Dan and Emerson, if you guys want to come join me in the light, you can get your phone out. So th- th- this is our saved group, all right? Come on up, come on up, come on up, come on up. This is wonderful. This is a nice little group, isn't it? Nice little group of saved people. We need one more saved lady up here. Miss Patty, come on up. Get your phone out. Uh, we got all sorts of saved people up here. All right. We, we got our lights, right? This little light of mine. You can't figure out how to turn it on. All right. Let me see, Let me see if we can pull it down. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. You're on? No. Oh, Google did it for her. Google did it. Maybe you got to hold it. Hold it. There you go. All right. Yeah, we're all, we're all on. Patty, you there? No? Here, pull it down from the top. And right there. All right. We got our lights. So everybody, come on up here. All right? Not, not yet. Not yet. You're not allowed to have lights yet. We haven't reached you. We haven't reached you yet. I'm sorry. Well, might reach you eventually. So hang on, guys. We're, we're, we're saved, right? We, we've got the light of Christ in us. But it's, it's dark and scary out there. Do you know? Do you know? Yes. Doris is out there. But you know what we're tempted to do? All right, seriously now. Here's what we're tempted to do sometimes. It's dark and scary, but we have light here. So you know what? We're just going to stay here, and we're going to enjoy our light. Boy, I'm glad we have light. Isn't this wonderful how much light we have? Boy, this is good. It's so safe, and it's so bright here. It's so wonderful. Oh, I just love being in the light. Can I tell you, church, that's problematic. We are the light of the world. We're not called to isolate. We're not called to just be a little light for ourselves while the world dwells in darkness. No, we're not here to isolate. You know what sometimes churches and Christians are prone to do as well? We're not, uh, we're not necessarily isolated, but you know what we are doing? We're illuminating ourselves. Look how great I am. Listen to my wonderful messages. Here. Look how wonderful. I'm a Christian athlete. And George and Jean, they're Christian musicians. And, and Patty's a Christian musician. And, and, and Emerson's a Christian farmer. And, and we're just, we're having a good time. Look at us. And you can see on social media how perfect my life is. Mm. Yes. But church, that's not what we want either, is it? We're not here to illuminate ourselves. We're not here to huddle and isolate. We're not here to illuminate ourselves, to increase ourselves in, in the perspective of the world. It's not about isolating from the world. Oh, careful, buddy. <laughs> It's not about isolating from the world. It's not illuminating ourselves for the world to see. It's about impacting 
the world. So here's what's going to happen, guys. We're going to say amen, and we're going to go out. I would like for you guys, stick in these two sections, and everybody go, go find somebody or two somebodies. If you get tapped on the shoulder, go ahead, crank that flashlight on, and, and then we'll form little, little groups, little churches out there. Go ahead, guys. Amen. Church is done, not for you, just for them. And so they're going out. They're going out, and, and they are going to take the light of Christ to the world that they've been called to serve. So if you, get, if you get tapped, go ahead and turn that light on. We'll stick in these two sections, Drew. Wrong section, buddy. Doris is still in darkness for now. <laughs> Doris is still in darkness. Go ahead. Get that light out. Let your light so shine. If you get, uh, you get tapped, go ahead. Let that light shine, church. Let it shine. Let it shine. And you know what? Hey, here's what we're doing. We are lighting up the darkness. Amen? We're lighting up the darkness. Hey, somebody up here. Somebody up here needs to get saved. There we go. There you go. Mr. Gehring, welcome to the family. Here we go. All right. Hey, isn't this good? Look at all these people who are getting saved. But you know what happens? Hey, hey, here we go. We're supposed to take the light of Christ to every creature. So you know what happens? That means, that means, that means, that means... You know, some of us have to step out of our comfort zone. Some of us have to step out of our comfort zone and take it to people who still dwell in darkness. Oh, but but wait a minute, wait a minute. But preacher, we don't have a lot in common with these people. You, You should see some of the sinfulness on their social media. You should see how they talk. You should see how they dress. You should see the things that they promote. You should have heard who they voted for. Can I tell you, we are to take the gospel to every creature. Hey, give me, give me some people with light. Let's get some people in this section saved. Let's take the light of Christ to this section right here. Give me some people with some lights. Let's reach this section right here. Just this section. That's right. All right, wrong section, Patty. Wrong section, Patty. You're jumping the gun. Hey, let those lights shine, church. Let them shine. Let them shine. All right, all right. Get your phones on. Get your phones on. Hey, maybe somebody else can get saved in this section here. That'd be good. Jack, come back to your hometown and get some people saved over here. It's wonderful. All right. Pause for me. Pause for me. Hey, we're letting our light shine, amen? We're not hiding it under a bushel. We're not hiding it under a bed. We're letting it shine. But here's the thing, church, we're not done. Because we are called to take the gospel to every creature. And so what we have over here is what we're going to call the uttermost part of the earth. (laughs) You know, the reality is most of the people over here will never meet the people over here. They may never learn their name. They may never learn their story. They may never, not, they may never know anything about them. But what we do know is we do know that people everywhere need to be saved. So here's what happens. Patty, scoot over for me. We're going to do something different. What if, what if over here at a missions conference, Toby Stein got called to missions? And what if, because of the faith promise giving of a church, Toby Stein, stand up for me, Toby. 
was then able to literally go across the world. Come on. To go across the world. To people you've never heard of, to people you'll never meet, to problems you'll never face. But he's able, because of the faithfulness of God's people in giving to world missions, he's able to go across the world and for the glory of God, see someone saved. Go ahead, Toby. Go ahead. Somebody got saved over there. Gene doesn't have a phone. Somebody give that man a phone. There we go. All right, Gene wouldn't get saved, but Chuck did. Hey! Hey! And then, and then Kayla gets saved. And then the Nolans get saved. People everywhere are getting saved. Why does that happen? Why does that happen? Why does that happen? Because we let the light shine. Because we let the light shine. We don't hide it under our, a bushel. We don't hide it under our bed. This life is not about my, my earthly labor. It's not about my leisure. It's about letting my light shine. Why? That men might see and be pointed to my Father which is in heaven. That, that's what it's about. And here's the thing. You know the thing about our world? The world's going to do what the world's going to do. And is the world going to get better or worse as we near the return of Christ? But here's the beautiful thing. The darker the night. Go ahead. The darker the night, the brighter the light. And I'm going to tell you, when it gets this dark out, you know, there's still some people who need to be saved. My poor wife needs to be saved. But the reality is, hey, when when the Lord begins to work in my wife's heart, for her to get saved, is she going to have any trouble finding where the light is? The darker the night, the brighter the light. Church, church, look at me. Hey, I know it's fun. I know we got our phones out. We'll all sing Kumbaya in a minute, all right? But this is what we can't miss. Hey, this is easy to do in here. Tomorrow you're going to the factory. Tomorrow you're going to the office. Tomorrow you're going to have to interact with your neighbors. Tomorrow you're going to go to the grocery store or to the restaurant. We're going to walk out of these doors and we are going to walk into a dark world. A world that desperately needs the light of Christ. It's not a matter, church. It's not a matter of whether they do or don't need it. No, they need it. And we are the light of the world. Thank you. You can put your phones away. We'll turn the house lights back on. As you return to your seats, let me offer this in closing. We're not here to isolate. We're not here to impress. We're here to impact. We are here to make a difference. You are here to make a difference. But you have to be different to make a difference. Because you cannot change anything by simply adding more of the same.